Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> uh, thanks, Scott, for the intro. So I am Paul Dacus. I am one of the uh, family members here at Refuge and a, a GC leader. But hey, uh, I wanted to ask a question first. I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the response as well, because uh, I'm going to, so I'm not a preacher. This is my first sermon that I've ever given. So I'm going to make it a bit of a conversation as well as a sermon. So um, the first thing that I want to ask about is for all of you who have been going to church for a while, what is your natural tendency to do when you get to church and you see someone who's not your favorite pastor up there? That's it. You tune out, right? Uh, okay, so yeah, like I said, I'm not Scott, I'm not Blake, I'm not Paul, well, I am Paul, just a different Paul, uh, the less attractive Paul. Um, this leads me to my next question. <laughs> Leads to my next question. What do you think the average watch time on a video that's put out on Facebook, online, like what do you think the attention span is when somebody gets on there and is about to watch it? What do you think? How long do you have before they flip to the... Three minutes? 30 seconds? Okay, a minute. We're right in between. So it's actually one minute and 52 seconds. So uh, y'all are stuck here for the next three hours, but the people online, they could probably check out in about... 30 seconds statistically. So I'm going to speak to y'all first, and I'm going to give you the whole sermon in about 10 seconds, since you're probably just going to go to the next cat video. Um, You are here for a reason, and it is not a coincidence that you are here watching this, and it's not a coincidence that you are here on earth. God has a purpose for your life, and God has always, he is currently and he will always keep his promises. And there's nothing you can do to stop God from completing what he's already said he is going to finish. You are way more messed up than you know, and you are way more sinful than you know, but you are way, way more loved than you could ever, ever imagine. That's it. That's the sermon, so you guys can flip off. Uh, The rest of y'all are stuck here for the, uh, the next, like I said, was it hour and a half, three hours, something like that? Um, yeah. All right. Uh, before we get into God's word, I do want to uh, talk about something that has helped me through some tough times, a really dark time in my life, but I think it's also applicable to right now and where we're at, um, just as a nation, as a whole. Um, so I'm in the military, like Scott said, and there's a common joke that goes around that uh, for those of us who are in the pilot aviation community, and the joke is, how do you know that you're in the same room as a pilot? Anybody know? I know one person does. Riggs, what is it? Yeah, they're going to tell you, and they're probably <laughs> going to tell a story. So that's what I'm going to do uh, today. So when you're flying a plane, there's a few cues that you have, uh, things that you use and they're at your disposal. One, obviously, is visual. So you're looking outside. So imagine you're in a plane, and uh, you have all your visual cues outside. The next is you have what you feel inside. So there's, you know, what you feel inside, you have like inner ear, uh, it lets you know whether you're turning, whether you're climbing, whether you're descending, um, and that's what the, like, the feeling of the aircraft. The last one you have is what's called your instruments, and this is like a dashboard in a car. So this is what's actually happening no matter what else is going on. This is, they say, the instruments never lie. So my story is I was actually in flight school. I was flying a, a Boeing 737 in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, I was doing a touch and go, so that's where you land and then immediately take right back off. And so as I'm taking back off, I'm pulling back and I'm starting to climb up and uh, I'm starting to feel, okay, like good landing, whatever, we're starting to take off. And then 
I start to feel like I'm pulling too far up, which could be pretty dangerous, right? Um, so I start to level off. And this is where it's a dangerous position that pilots get into. It's called spatial disorientation, when what you're feeling is different from what you're seeing and where the plane actually is. Does that make sense? So you, so you feel like you're doing one thing, but the plane's actually doing another, and then also your mind's playing tricks on you with what you're seeing outside. So I'm starting to pull up, and I start to nose down a little bit, and I hear my instructor saying, Paul, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I, you know, I, was, I was pulling up, so I need, I need, I'm, I'm getting a little bit too high, so I need to pull up. He says, hey, look at your instruments. And I look down, and I'm actually in a descent, and I'm starting to turn, which if you're at an airport, is that a good thing? Do you want to be going down towards houses? Probably not. Uh, so he said, get on your instruments. And I start, to, so I look down, and I am able to, oh my gosh, I need to you know, straighten out, I need to start climbing again, and I was able to put this, the plane in a safe place. I felt like God was telling me through that terrible situation and many more that the instruments are God's word. So no matter what you're feeling and what you're seeing outside, we have ultimate truth. And so in a, in a time like this in our nation where we have a lot of political stuff going on, the pandemic, you know, all these tensions, where do we look for ultimate, your one good news source, and that is Scripture. And so my plea to us this morning is get on your instruments, get on the Word of God, let's listen to what He has to say, no matter what else is going on in the world. And so I'm going to pray for, first before we go into, actually, if you want to open to Genesis 27 as we're, uh, as we're praying. God, I just thank you so much that we have your word, um, that no matter what is going on outside, that we have one place that we can go uh, where you speak to us, and that we don't have to fact check, that we can just go and we know this is truth. Uh, God, we're so thankful that uh, you give us this, that you are accessible through prayer, through worship, and through your word. And uh, God, just, again, make me disappear this morning, and your words come through me today. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 27. Um, and I said I was going to do a couple uh, questions for you all. So uh, how many of you all have heard this, uh, Jacob and Esau, the story before? Raise your hand. It's actually less than I thought. It was good. Um, so we're going to find out who this applies to today. So raise your hand if you are a hunter slash outdoorsman or outdoors woman, okay? Um, how many of you would consider yourselves, so that it'll apply to you, how many of you guys will uh, say you're foodies, like you love good, delicious food? I know, chick do tri chicken strips count, Scott? Okay. All right, uh, let's level this up. So if you have a messed up family, raise your hand. I don't care if they're here with you. Mine's back here. We always say that we know we are, what are we? Wretched, black-hearted sinners. All right, if you haven't raised your hand, I'm going to try to get you with this next one, and that is, if you've ever done anything wrong in your life or sinned, oh, come on, raise your hand. All right, that was a cheap shot. All right, let's, uh, let's dive into Genesis 27. Uh, so this is a long, we've got a lot of text to go through, 40 verses. I'm going to give the summary and then we'll go in verse by verse. Uh, like I said, there's, there's a lot. So in this is when uh, Isaac blesses Jacob. So Isaac is at the end of his life. He thinks he's about to die, and so he needs to pass on this blessing. Uh, and normally it would go to the firstborn and Isaac's favorite son, which is Esau, his older. 
But what we're going to find out is that Rebecca, Isaac's wife, is going to work with Jacob, the younger son, and uh, they're going to devise a, or put a plan together to trick Isaac into giving the blessing to Jacob. Follow with me so far? All right. Um, so they're going to succeed. Spoiler alert. Uh, they're going to succeed, and then Esau's going to come back, and he's pretty upset about it, and he's going to try to get some kind of blessing, but the blessing has already been given. So that's just kind of setting this up. Uh, so we'll start in Genesis 20, 27, verse 1. So when Isaac was old, excuse me, let me, there we go. Uh, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered, here I am. He said, sorry, there we go. He said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So again, Isaac thinks that he's on his deathbed. He thinks he's about to die. And he's like, I need to get this uh, blessing. I need to give this before I die. In reality, he's going to live about 20 more years, as we'll find out in the... Uh, uh, the next chapter. So, I mean, a small lesson, we don't know when we're going to die, but again, he's uh, old and blind and ready to pass it on. So, um, so what he's going to do is the, the custom of the world says, give it to the firstborn. And we also, like I said, and we know uh, Isaac's favorite son is Esau. And so he's going to give it to Esau. Now, we also know that uh, Rebecca was told in Genesis 25 that the blessing should go to Jacob. So we have two things here. Back in, in Genesis 25, he talked about the, the birthright. So the birthright is what, Jake, or excuse me, what uh, Esau gave away for a bowl of soup. Uh, the birthright is the inheritance, it's the land, it's the possession. So when you think, and when you hear birthright, think inheritance. The blessing is something that comes down from God, and it's something that's going to establish the next spiritual leader and the, further the promises that God has given. So when you hear blessing, think legacy or God's promise. All right, so we'll continue on in uh, verse 5. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring for me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies." So we know that Rebecca is listening here. We don't know whether she's in the room and he's blind, he can't see her, or if she's outside of the room and she's just listening in. Uh, but what we do know, uh, again, we know that she has favorite, her favorite son, Jacob, and she wants to give the blessing to him. She also knows that that's what God's plan was, right? So what do we see here? We see that she is actually taking matters into her own hands. So God's already put something that's going to happen, but she's going to take it into her own hands 
and help God out, right? So my first point is that this is what we do, right? When we don't trust that God is going to deliver on his promises, we take things into our own hands and we sin. And we'll see what this, how this uh, works out for uh, Rebecca and, uh, and Jacob. So, so far we've seen, before we go in, so before, we've seen Isaac sin already, we've seen Rebecca sin, and now we're going to go into what uh, Jacob's reaction is going to be. So starting in verse 11, but when Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. So we hear him say, seem to be. Does it seem to be like he's mocking, or another translation says tricking, right? He's saying, it seems to me like I might be uh, mocking my father. In reality, no, Jacob, you are. Like, you are tricking him. So it's a, this is what we do, though, is that... Uh, are we ever af- not afraid to sin? We just don't want to be looked upon badly. We're trying to um, please other people or protect our image, but we don't care about if we're actually sinning against God. And that's what Jacob's doing here. He's not afraid of the sin. He's just afraid of how his father will see him. We'll continue in verse 13. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. So mothers uh, and moms out there, I'm going to speak to you first here. Uh, so we see, again, uh, Rebecca is telling her son, hey, I need you to go do this, this sin real quick, right? And what I'm going to say, most mothers, especially if you have young children, you are going to disagree very, very much, I'm sure, with what I'm about to say. And what that is, is that your kids listen to you. They do. As we see in in here, uh, Jacob is going to do what his mother says, and she is leading him into this sin. So my question here is, for us parents, what are we, are we, we know our kids are listening. More importantly, they're watching us. Are we leading them into sin? Are we saying, oh, you know, do this just because I say so? And for wives, you are called to submit to your husbands. But husbands, are we leading our wives into sin? Are we loving them? So just as children honor your parents, parents, are we, are we leading our kids into sin? And then for us as individuals, are we, are we actually worried about what God thinks? Or are we worried just about... Uh, doing what somebody says, an authority, a government. You have one authority, and that is God. So we'll continue in verse 15, and I'm going through quickly. We've got a lot to cover. So he went and took them and brought them delicious to them, or excuse me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, them being the goats. And his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. So again, we're seeing that she's now told him what to do. Uh, she's now cooked him the meal. Uh, she has put on clo- or put these clothes on him to disguise him. Right. So we got Mama 
tells him what to do, cooks the meal, does exactly, uh, or does everything he needs, and she is making it easy for him to sin, right? I would say this is what the enemy will do for us. He will make it easy for us to sin. So just like, and I think the, the, one of the, the biggest things that he will do is, is distraction. So, you know, right next to the Bible app on your phone, what's right next to it? Facebook, Instagram, you know, whatever. It's, it's, he's trying to distract you. And he'll make it easy for you. That, that picture that you shouldn't click on is just one click away, right? That thing that you should, be, should not be doing is just, it's so easy to do. Netflix, you, know, you could binge on that instead of inviting your neighbor over for a meal. It's just easy to do. But there's good news with this. So just as the enemy will make it easy for you and will give you everything you need to sin, God will give you everything you need to fight sin, namely himself. God will give you everything you need to fight sin, himself. So how do we do this? That's, that's easy to say. We do this through prayer. Do, do we actually know what that, like, actually you can win at any time, you can pray. You can go to God's word. You can ask the almighty, all-powerful creator of the universe to help you through anything you need. And he is faithful to help you with these things. And also something that I want to say is you are not alone in this. And this is something, especially, it's, I, was, I was just saying to Scott, it's awesome to see, yeah, I know we got all this blocked off here, but everyone closer together, like, it makes it feel more like a family, doesn't it? Like now that we're all kind of back here and all that, you're not, in this, you're not alone in any of this. This is what like, us GC leaders are here for. If there's a sin that you're going through, reach out. Talk to one of the elders. Talk to your GC leader. You know why we can help? It says we're going through it right now, too, or we've been through it, and so we can help you work through anything that you're going through. But do not just let the enemy make it easy. Fight this. We continue in verse 16. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, and she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So are you picturing this? Do you see like, how ridiculous does this look? You've got Jacob, this guy with, uh, with no hair. I mean, maybe it's me. Uh, <laughs> you've got this guy with no hair, and he's got goat skin on him. He's got his brother's, this, you know, manly man's, uh, you know, vest on or, you know, he's covered in all this. I, I was thinking about this as I, was, as I was preparing. I'm like, man, we're coming up to Halloween. This would be a pretty bomb Halloween costume, right? Just like walking around looking like, like Esau. No one would, well, actually, no, we're in the South. Maybe someone would get it. I don't know. So what we, what we see here is that they're, they're, doing, they're doing all these things. They're sinning, but God never commanded Rebecca to be a bad wife, did she? We are, she already knew that the blessing was going to go through Jacob, but did he ever tell her to go sin against her husband? No. Did God ever tell Jacob to be a bad son or to be a bad brother? He, he, he didn't. They knew that this, was, that this was what God desired as a result, but they were sinning to complete this. So this brings me to my next point, that when we don't trust God, 
we could see others and treat others, especially in the church family, as rivals or enemies. When we don't trust God, we treat others as rivals and enemies. So let me put this positively. If we do trust God, we know that he's taking care of us already, right? And we do not need to get ahead of each other. So we are one family in Christ. And so as brothers and sisters, we no longer need to quarrel with each other or get ahead of everyone because we are already taken care of and ultimately God has our backs. And we know that he's working all things for good. So verse 18. So when he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. So he's saying, I mean, for all of you who are outdoors, when you know you go out and hunt, and it takes hours, right, to, to sit there, kill, bring it back, prepare it. I mean, Rebecca must be a really good cook also that she can make goat taste like game. I mean, that's just a side note. Um, so we'll give her that. But he says, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And you catch this, he answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. What is this? What's he, what's he doing? Yeah, it, well, it's blasphemy. So he's using God's name for something that God does not support. Which we could look at that and we could be like, oh man, what a, what a terrible uh, example. Uh, he's, he's literally deceiving his father. He's blasphemy against God. He's, he's taking the Lord's name in vain. And I was, I was thinking about this. When you were growing up or maybe uh, later in life when you became a Christian and you heard this, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. What, what, what did you think that was? Like, what's, what's the most common? I mean, maybe don't use the Lord's name in vain, but, but what, what was something that you thought it was or think it is? Swearing, cursing, using, what else? Is that it? Just using, like, OMG, right? Yeah. Or taking God's name and putting it with a curse word. And that, that was what I, and what I always thought it was. And I looked a little bit deeper into this, and this is a perfect example Sometimes we'll use God's name to put this, his name on something that is, makes him look less valuable or less glorious, and that is taking his name in vain as well. I think we also do this in a more subtle way, and I'm not from the South, and maybe this will hit a little bit too hard, uh, but do any of these sound familiar to anyone? Feeling led, like I feel led to do this. God said blank to me. Or, hey, I prayed about this, and I feel this way. Do you all have any other examples? What are some other ones? I heard a couple already when I was talking about this. Things that are commonly said here that are just, just things that we say. All right, I got them all three. That's perfect. Um, and this is not calling out anybody for uh, if, if this is, if you actually are feeling led, or if God, if you felt God saying this to you, or if you prayed about it, but are we actually doing that? Are you actually praying when somebody asks you for a prayer request? Because I hear a lot of thoughts and prayers, and I'm just as guilty of this, like, I'll pray for you, but are you actually taking it before the Lord 
And are you praying about this? Are you taking it to Scripture? Scott talked about this a couple weeks ago where you can feel a lot of things and you can think that God's saying something to you, but if it's not something that he does in his word and it's not something that is confirmed by Scripture, is it actually, it might be somebody else that you're listening to. It may be yourself and the heart is deceitful, as the, uh, as the word says. So I would just say, go to the word about this. I'm going to put it more positively. Here's another common one. I just need to pray about this. And while this may sound negative, what I mean is there are some of us who we know what God is putting on our lives. We know that he has told us to do something, and it's confirmed through Scripture, and we say, I just need to pray more about this, right? And we're saying this to God, like, even if he's telling you and it's in Scripture, and guys, I'm preaching this to myself. I'm there right now. Um, Here's what I'd say for that. Pray, actually pray. Read, take what you are praying about, take what God is telling you, and then go to the word about it. Read his word, and if it's confirmed in there, go. Just go. Do it. And as they they say here, go with the ghost. So if he's calling you, go to scripture, and then go. I heard it once said that we are, uh, we're either doing three, one of three things. We're either going or we're sending or we're disobeying. That would be my encouragement. I needed to hear that, so hopefully somebody else did too. Continuing on in verse uh, 21. When Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, "My voice is ja- or the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau, and he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Did you catch that? So the voice, he said, the voice is that of Jacob's, and the next question he answered very quickly, I am. He doesn't want his dad to hear his voice. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Continuing to 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. This is something I love about scripture. And and this is a a small detail, but when I say uh, an Easter egg from a movie, do you all know what I'm talking about? So, so an Easter egg or from a book or from a game or something like that, Easter egg is something that a small detail that the creator will put in there is a little nod to maybe the, the fans or to a previous work. I think this might be, and the Bible is just full of these, um, and this is a small part of it, but you catch that he says, then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. So his Jacob's betrayal was sealed with a kiss. Does that sound familiar? Actually, I just think that was awesome. It was a nod from the creator to something, to an ultimate betrayal that's going to ultimately lead to one of the greatest stories ever told. There we go. Continuing in verse uh, 27, and Isaac smelled the smell of the garments and blessed him and said, the first of all, I just thought this was great. He's, so the reason he knew this was 
or what he thought was Esau, was he smelled the smell. So maybe I'll ask any of the, the, uh, the wives of a, of a hunter. You know that smell, right? That, that terrible smell of the field. But that's how he knew that it was Esau, because he smelled it. And he said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of, of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Does that sound familiar too? Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. This is almost the exact same blessing that was given to Abraham, right? Uh, and so yet it's being passed on. That's how we know it is the blessing. Again, when we think blessing, we think what? Blessing is your is the legacy, right? So it's what's being passed down from God. So that's it, right? That's it. Seems like the plan has been fulfilled. Like they they needed they sinned. Rebecca and Jacob they they sinned to get it done, but they got it done, right? Let's see how that uh, continues for them. So in verse thirty, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it that hunted the game and brought it into me? And I ate it before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed." As soon as Esau heard the words of the father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. So we see here that it's already been done, and that's exactly what uh, Isaac is saying. He said, Hey, I've already... I've already given the blessing. There's only one blessing to give. What's done is done. And uh, comes back in, and he, he just, he's like, what, what are you doing? Like, why did, why did you already bless him? What happened? And they're both, like it says here, that he, um, he had scarcely gone, excuse me. That was the verse before. Yeah, so, so it's already, like I said, it's already been given. He's already given the blessing. And so, we have this last character, which is Esau. So we've already seen Isaac, is, uh, he's sinned. He's already trying to do what God uh, did not want him to do. Blessing what the world said to do was give, the, give it to the firstborn. We see Rebecca; She's taking things into her own hands. Uh, we have uh, Jacob, who he's deceiving his father. And so now we have the last, which is, last one, which is Esau. And we already know from previous uh, scriptures that Esau is a... Uh, godless man, right? He, he gave away his birthright for a bowl of soup. So he doesn't care. He's just, he, he lives this way in general. To uh, put a further point on it, in Hebrews 12, uh, it, it says that, I won't, I won't bring this up here, but in Hebrews 12, it says, see that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, this is where it's talking about here, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, and though he saw it with tears. So again, he didn't, he didn't care about this. And I almost wonder, is this a 
look, or maybe an Easter egg look at the final judgment. So we'll continue in verse 36. Esau said, is he, right, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times, and he took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said to them, have you, reserved a bless, or have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. With my grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even, or bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. So again, we see he's going to him and he's saying, you only have one blessing? And, and Isaac's saying, this is it. Like the blessing is a one-time deal. And so he's like, I've been tricked. I've been tricked. But was he really tricked? He wasn't, he wasn't tricked, right? He, uh, he gave away everything and now he's just trying to get something. So we're going to finish this off, 39 and 40. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, again, talking to Esau, nothing. Uh, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. So that's it. That's where it ends uh, for this time. Uh, it's leaving us with a lot of questions, right? What, uh, what do we do with this? There's a lot that it's left. So on the surface, it looks like Rebecca and Jacob, they succeeded, right? So they, they got it done. They had to sin a little bit, but ultimately God's plan was complete, right? He, he said that Jacob would be blessed, uh, but they were the ones who actually had to make it happen, right? So I would say to this that they were already blessed. So they didn't need to sin. Just as we do not need to sin, we are already blessed by God. If you are in Christ, you are already blessed. You do not need to sin, and God will never tell you to sin. So if there's ever any of those circumstances where you're like, well, you know, maybe I need to, uh, I need to provide for my family, uh, so I'm going to do this wrongly, but, but ultimately God wants me to provide, right? God's not telling you to do that. You need to trust that he will provide for you and that you are already blessed. In fact, you were blessed before you were born, we're going to look at how Jacob was already blessed before he was born as well. Do you remember back in, uh, in Genesis 25? Uh, I don't know if I brought it up here. Actually, I'll just I'll summarize. I don't remember where it is. But, uh, so in, in Genesis 25, he says, so remember, Rebecca has, uh, she has both the twins in, uh, in her womb, and they're quarreling, and she goes to God, and she's asking, like why, like, why is this happening? And do you remember, he says to her, the older shall serve the younger. So in the womb, he already blessed Jacob. And just like for us, he's already blessed us. And so to that, and you probably heard it at the beginning, you cannot mess up God's plan. And he's already blessed you. Just as Jacob did absolutely nothing to deserve the blessing that he got, and he definitely didn't earn it, he tricked his dad into it, he still got the blessing. Does that sound familiar at all for us? So we don't 
and just like he actually put on a different robe, and this is a flawed example, but he put on Esau's clothes so that the father recognized him, just like we put on Christ's righteousness so that when the father sees us, he sees Christ. So anything that you've done in your past, anything that, uh, that is, is bad that you've done, any sin that you've committed, that's gone when you put on Christ. So my call today is that we rest, that we rest in that, that we know we cannot mess up God's plan. And this is Old Testament, but I wanted to bring us to the New Testament as we close here. In Ephesians 1, 3 through 5, it says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Key words here. He chose. He chose us. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you. And if you are in Christ, You have already been chosen. You are already blessed through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8, it continues and it says, For for by grace you have been saved through faith and is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I'm going to read that again. For by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So my call this morning is that we rest in this, that we accept this free gift, that we are sinners, and again, like I said at the beginning, we are way, way worse than we can imagine. But you are way, way more loved than you could ever imagine. So let's rest in that today, and I'll close us in prayer.